Hey, I'm Dave Cornoyer. I'm Ryan Haspin. And this is the Dave Berta Podcast. We are recording this on November 5th, 2017. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Uh, Today we're going to talk about uh, Julie Payette, Governor General of Canada, and her remarks about science and religion. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Jason Kenney winning the leadership of the United Conservative Party and what that means for the next two years in Alberta and beyond. And before we get to that, this is uh, producer Adam Rosenhart Hi, tagging Adam. in here. Hi, guys. Hey, Adam. Nice to, uh, nice to finally be doing this with you. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Ryan, let's start with you. Why, uh, why a politics podcast? Well, I think Dave and I have been talking about these issues for a long enough time that we decided um, the world needs to hear more from us. No, maybe on a... On a more serious note, though, there, you know, there's there's a lot of people who do follow politics and often will ask, you know, what something means or what you might think of something. And, you know, Dave certainly provides a lot of that on his um, written blog. But we thought there isn't a lot of audio, audio discussion and people just throwing conversation back and forth. And so the point of this, at least the way I see it, is not even so much that we have the answers, but rather to find a dialogue where we'll have people come on the show with us. We'll ask them what they were thinking at the time or what their take on an event is. You know, from my point of view, I've dabbled in electoral politics for a little while. Um, and those who can no longer do often go on to, to talk about it. So that's why um, I don't really like that part. Uh, so, you know, I, I dabbled with electoral politics myself and I worked as a staffer and uh, my wife's in it now. And it's just an interest of mine. I, I think everything is politics. I think art, culture, everything. Like I don't, I don't understand when people say keep your politics out of this or keep your politics out of that because politics is how we relate to each other and how we give our consent to be governed. I mean, everything relates on how we do the politics. So uh, for me, I would just like to hear Dave's take on a number of topics, and um, I'm just interested in seeing where the conversation goes. Dave, are we the uh, the cheap knockoff version of the Strategist podcast? Uh, no, but if we were, we'd definitely be the cheap knock- knockoff because nothing can replace the uh, the strategists. <laughs> Rest in peace. The podcast, not the people on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What yeah. about you, man? Why why talk about politics with, with uh, can I say, small C conservative, small L liberal? Yeah. A clash of the, what's something a notch below Titan? I'm small C and big C conservative. <laughs> that's right. I, I'm definitely small, small lowercase. That's, uh, that's me. Yeah. There's so much going on in Alberta politics these, these days, uh, and both Ryan and I have a lot to say about it. And you know, we 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 contribute to the lot, a lot of the discussion online. Um, we really thought that uh, producing our ideas and putting our ideas out in podcast form and and creating like that, that venue and that this uh, this forum for for uh, the discussion of, of Alberta politics and our ideas and uh, would is it's really a great time right now to do that. Uh, I think both Ryan and I, uh, you know, we have very different. I d- a lot of very different ideas about what uh, you know the direction of this province and uh, and the politics of this province. Uh, yet we can sit here and have a have a really good discussion uh, about it without uh, without lobbing obscenities at each other. You know, well, as as a lot of people would on Twitter, for example. That wasn't in my contract. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I await that. Ryan's the only one with a contract. <laughs> I wrote it. I, I, I hope you don't expect to get paid. <laughs> no, no, I'm looking forward to it. Now that we know the reason for the show's existence, let's get right into it. Let's talk about Governor General Julie Payette's comments about science and religion that we heard last week. Dave, set the stage for us. What happened here? 
So speaking at the Canadian Science Policy Conference uh, this week, uh, Governor General Julie Pett made a number of comments about, actually not too many comments, she made some, sh- some short comments about uh, people who don't believe in climate change, uh, people who believe in taking sugar pills as, as, as cures for, for disease, and then made a comment about people who still believe in divine intervention, uh, which I don't really know how you'd take it any other way. It was a comment towards people of, re- of religious belief, of, of, of religious faith. Um, there was quite a bit of criticism following her comments around people. Well, I think a lot of people were shocked that the governor general would say something like this. I don't think it was really shocking that a, that perhaps that a scientist speaking to a group of scientists might say something like this. I'm sure that's actually probably more common than you'd think. Uh, but her role as governor general, I mean, people will pay a lot more attention to what she's saying. It'll have a big have a bigger impact. Whether this issue, this the, her comments, the reaction to her comments are overblown or not, I think it really, um, I mean, it, it brings to question the role of the governor general. Should the governor general, which, you know, is an unelected position, uh, it's appointed. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of irony that the governor general is the representative of the Queen of England, who is also the, I believe her title is the supreme governor of the church of england and defender of the and faith. defender of the faith which are great titles by the way <laughs> Defen- supreme governor and defender of the faith that's some game of thrones kind yeah of stuff. yeah exactly you know like the shield of lannisport and the yeah that's no queen elizabeth is not the shield of lannisport <laughs> <laughs> um uh but i mean it, d- it did generate a number i think i heard a lot of commentary on both sides people saying it was it was overblown people saying it was it was unfair criticism for her for her to make um but it's definitely something that we're not used to seeing i think governor general's kind of stepping into more political um more or i guess issues that that are not not, not necessarily political because i'm not even sure this is it was really a, the issue that it was is that it was political i think it was that it was potentially insulting to a, a significant amount of canadians how significant an amount are we talking about ryan well you know listening to that clip again i'm actually more worked up um than i was when I hadn't heard it in a day. I think if you look at these three topics as she touches, it just shows how completely she's missing the point, both of the role of the governor general, and I would even say the role of science, as opposed to government and policy. So um, I'll get to the origins of life and the divine one at the end. But, you know, even on climate change. So as a scientist, she can say the science is clear, the climate is changing, and humans are doing it. Sure. But where we're at in politics is what do we do about that? Here in Alberta, especially, what do we do about that is the interesting thing. Because we both know Alberta could turn everything off today, stop all industry, and it probably wouldn't make any difference. So conservative to the global CO2 emission, to the climate warming. So conservatives like me are angry at the NDP, not necessarily because they're recognizing that uh, fossil fuels will be phased out in the future. I think we all agree they will be phased out in the future. But the issue is, why are you leading with this today in 2017 and 2018? Why is Alberta being the one taking it on the chin when we're the place that generates energy and our economy is um, disproportionately reliant on it? So when a governor general gets into these issues without thinking through the politics, um, that's why it's outside of the scope of what governors general do. The, The queen never comments on things that are debatable. She doesn't comment on politics. So I'm totally fine with the sugar pill cancer issue. If she had talked about vaccinations, I'd be totally fine with that too. Because those are clear. There's not two sides of it. There isn't a debatable policy. It is that the science is clear. Um, Cancer cannot be cured by oil of newt 
or Eye of Newt or whatever witch's brewery you want. Fine. The the other thing that kind of galls me about it is the example she used um, about the origin of life is probably the worst possible way for someone to deride the faithful from a scientific point of view. Because that is the one thing that science has no answer to. Unless we... And I'm not talking about believing the world is 6,000 years old. I believe it's 13.8 billion years old and life has evolved. But you can never know for sure the origin of all life. Because unless you cataloged all life, 13.8 billion years worth of it, and you saw the beginning point of every form and how it started, you really don't know. And so at some point you're believing that it happened by either a random chance or some cause outside of the forces of nature. Um, people like me call that cause God. And, you know, McLean's had an in article two years ago showing that 72, I think it is, percent of Canadians believe, 73, believe in God or higher power. And so when she used that particular issue to basically just come across as a pompous know-it-all, um, she couldn't have picked a worse one because what you know she said or heaven forbid you believe it's a random act well it takes as much faith to believe that life came from a random act as it does from a god because it was you know many even here on earth it was four billion years ago so no one was there to see it you know if she's going to pick something where the scientific method is clearly better then that was the worst possible one so i think the lesson hopefully that she's learned is First of all, the governor general shouldn't be deriving, deriding um, Canadians' faiths. You have a leader of the third party who's a Sikh for the first time. We have more Sikhs in our cabinet than the government of India does. Um, you know, so it's not like Christians are the only people of faith who are active in the society today. Um, if you look at the statistics, the people who are losing their faith the most are white, established Canadian families. So the new immigrants from across the globe that are coming in are very faithful. You know, the, it's not always Christian. But these communities, if you go to Vancouver, you go to Toronto, you go to the big cities where um, it's a majority or moving towards a majority population of new Canadians, a huge proportion of them believe in supernatural or in a God. So uh, I think she needs to learn that the governor general shouldn't speak about things that she doesn't need to, i.e. politics, and she certainly shouldn't be mocking people's faith. And while she may have been trying to be funny, uh, there's a reason why the Queen would never make a speech like that. I think in terms of all the issues that she could have created controversy with, I think talking about religion, uh, even if it was just a brief mention in her speech, I think that was probably the wrong choice to make. I, I think this does raise a question, though, about the role of the Governor-General as, as the, you know, the, the, the head of state in Canada, uh, and whether we should expect governor generals who are unelected and not necessarily responsible to the population, to the people of Canada, um, in the same way that the prime minister would be or any elected official would be, should we expect them to not voice their views if they have feel strongly about an issue, this issue or that issue? Should we expect them to not talk about that? I mean, I think, or should they just talk about issues that have popular support among Canadians, or should they just be a kind of benign position with no opinion um i mean i think we you know we've we've gotten into this this and this is nothing new i mean we've it, 
we've had prominent Canadians been have who have been appointed governor general in the past, but it seems lately, uh, you know, we have almost more celebrity types being appointed as governor generals. So Mikhail Jean, Adrian Clarkson, Julie Payette. Um, I'm not sure David Johnson would be counted as a celebrity. As a celebrity, to um, university types. Yeah, you know, for you to university yeah. types. But but can we expect? I mean, we're we're appointing these individuals with. Um, prominent, you know, prominent roles and prominent opinion, who, who, who would have prominent opinions in their field. Um, should we expect them to not voice their opinions once they enter the office? Um, or is it just that we're, we're, we're afraid that some of these opinions might be unpopular? Is, is that the issue? Is that when is that these opinions are, are unpopular? We can't really control them either. I think that's another issue is that, that, I mean, this goes to the, the issue of maybe why my, maybe why Queen Elizabeth doesn't uh, speak on a lot of issues. Um, that you know, when monarchs have unpopular opinions, sometimes the popular the populace doesn't like that. And are we seeing a little bit of that with the gov with the governor general? I mean, this is the first first time I think that she's raised some controversies controversy. So sh this might be a one off thing, or it might be something that that happens over the next four or five years consistently. We don't really know yet. Yeah. Well, in terms of the queen and the crown, I think this is part of the contract that uh, a constitutional monarchy requires to continue to survive is an agreement that they won't be part of the day-to-day -day politics, right? Um, part of our system, and I think Canadians are largely guilty of not really thinking about it a whole lot, but part of our system that I find fascinating is it really is quite undefined at the margins. You know, we really haven't, and you would know this as much as I, we really don't know what happens at the margins when a governor general challenges a prime minister or when a prime minister challenges a governor general or if the queen intervened or any of that stuff. Like the British system is very much sort of focused on being functional and providing stable government and a government that actually do things as opposed to the U.S. model where the balances are, are more prescribed. But the downside of it is there really isn't a theoretical red line. So um, if she truly said she's no longer going to accept prayer in the House of Commons or she wouldn't sign any more bills until vaccination was made mandatory, I don't know what happens. And so I would hope that when a governor general takes the position on, they have an understanding of the history and the power of the role. I, I'm a monarchist. The, the, the biggest reason I am is because show me a better system. You know, there's always, there's, there's always down, downsides to any system. And so... Um, if we don't have this head of state, we're going to have a different type of head of state. And we all know that other forms of it aren't that much better either. So um, I think maybe this is an opportunity for her to learn the power that she actually does have and, and to be a force, maybe focus on those issues where there's a much higher um, agreement. Maybe this is why some governors general talk about things that are apple pie and motherhood. But like you said, Mikhail Jean didn't, you know, when she went and ate the seal meat, every single person in Canada felt proud and cheered her on. So there are ways that Governor General can, can use the role, but this is not one. And I think hopefully, um, well, and the other thing is actually what upset me was the immediate and instinctive defense that the liberal government gave to it, not just in her right to say what she did, but specifically what she said. And Trudeau, knowing exactly why people were mad, his comments, well, well, no, I support her supporting science. And that's not the point. We're not disputing science. We're disputing that she made a mockery of people of faith as though it was some sort of intellectual deficiency that only, only, the, only the, those people out in the hills um, believe in God or believe in divine intervention when really it's the majority of Canadians.
What do you guys think the impact will be on the liberal government? Do you think uh, do you think this adds to the growing list of problems that conservative Canadians have with them? Uh, is it is it the silver bullet? What do you what impact does it have? Well, it's definitely if you're conservative, if you already didn't like Justin Trudeau, you certainly don't like him more now. Um, I don't think it's any sort of I don't think it moves the needle. But what it does do is just there's this the liberals' greatest danger has never changed. It's themselves and it's the entitlement and the arrogance. And, you know, whether it's each generation of liberal governments um, has its own version of this, but it's the same story. And you see how they how they react when they're challenged. And instead of contrition or even empathy to why people might disagree with them, it's put on the mantle of, well, anyone educated would agree with me. You know, how could you possibly disagree, you silly rubes out in the West? And and it's hard not to feel that way when you watch these guys in action. And I think that that certainly contributed to this. So I don't think it really moved any dial. But people will remember this, just like they remember every other thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm like as pro-science as, as I think I could be. It's not that I'm disputing that we should be teaching our kids science. And I was excited about Julie Payette specifically because she's a woman who's so accomplished in science. And I think she's got a lot to offer. I just think that it's an opportunity to look at who Canadians are and to realize that we're not all about to give up our faith in a higher being. So don't use that as an example of being uneducated or of being out of touch because you've just said the vast majority of Canadians are out of touch. Yeah, I mean, I'd hope that uh, that when she speaks at future conferences, she keeps in mind, I mean, it, it keeps issues like this in mind. I mean, going in and potentially insulting huge swaths of Canadians is not something that I think is good advice for any governor general or really any monarch, um, <laughs> insulting huge amounts of your population. No, you get your head cut off for stuff like that. It's, that's that's happened in the past. I don't know if it would happen this time around. But Today in, in, the 5th in, of November. If, well, yeah, I mean, in, in, in terms of, of how this will impact impact the the federal liberals um i think the on its own it's probably negligible but i mean it is just something that people who are a lot of people who are already ticked off with the liberals will add to their list i i don't know if there's a really huge connection between julia julie payette and and justin trudeau in the minds of most canadians and i think this issue probably will have moved past under the radar of most canadians um, but that said, I mean, it is, it's just, you're adding to a list of, if you, if you're looking for things to, uh, to hate Justin Trudeau about his response to this is you can, you can add that to your list, I guess. Moving on to our next segment. Uh, Jason Kenney was elected the leader of the United Conservative Party last weekend. Has it already been last, was it last a week weekend? from yesterday night? Yeah. Yeah. It's been over a week now. Uh, the. NDP immediately started setting themselves on fire. Yes, they have. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what the reaction has been, both on the left and right, uh, over Jason Kenney's win and what it could mean for the UCP in 2019. Well, the uh, right out of the starting gate, the NDP came out swinging on uh, the... So the, the Jason Kenney was, uh, won the leadership of the, of the United Conservative Party on the Saturday night and then Monday Monday afternoon... Uh, MLAs met in Edmonton for the start of the fall session of the legislature. So it was like bang, bang right away. Um, uh, the, it was, it was, it was a strange, it was a strange opening session. I've never really seen a government, uh, 
act like an official opposition in a way that the NDP yeah. did this week. Um, and I mean, I think that I think they have. It, it's we we should expect the NDP to come out uh, trying to trying to frame Jason Kenney in a certain way, trying to frame the narrative, trying to trying to to frame him going into the next election. We should expect all that. It's the same thing that the Conservatives would would do if they were in government. Um, but the the kind of uh, the energy that the NDP put towards attacking Jason Kenney, they had Facebook video ads, they had backbenchers asking embarrassingly loaded questions to cabinet ministers about how awful Jason Kenney is going to be to Alberta and how many how many jobs is he going to cut and how many which which. I mean, those are questions that that I think the NDP need to ask because I think that that's something that that is going to happen if Jason Kenney becomes becomes premier uh, in 2019. But the numbers that they were throwing around, I mean, Jason Kenney, they haven't the, the UCP hasn't even really released any kind of policy. I mean, all we know is that Jason Kenney he he called he said 2019 if he if he gets elected is going to be the summer of repeal is what he called it. That's what his 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 the, the bone he was throwing to the conservative base to keep them. Get to get them excited. That's um, what gets us excited. Yeah, they're going to repeal absolutely everything that's that, they, that the NDP has done, and repeal they're not going. They're not going to actually repeal everything the NDP has done because some of the policies are actually popular. Uh, but but we don't actually until until we have the 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 policies that are the you know a little more detail coming out from the UCP. We don't really know what they're going to do. Um, I think cuts are are almost certainly going to be part of a platform, uh, which will likely also lead to layoffs. Um, in public set public services, but 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 we don't really have any details. But the the level of kind of of, uh, of energy that the NDP were putting it t- putting towards attacking Jason Kenney this week was was a little overkill and a little embarrassing. Speaking of someone who generally supports a lot of the policies that the NDP have put in in, in Alberta, it was a little bit of overkill mm-hmm. um, and a little bit unbecoming of a government that has a majority and is still going to be government for the next sixteen months, regardless of what happens in the in the next election. Uh, so, I mean, whether this is part of going to be part of a prolonged political strategy, and this is basically what we're going to hear for the next 16 months, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they'll tone it down a bit and focus their message a little bit. But, I mean, I think that they're they're de- they definitely see that uh, that uh, attacking Kenny, especially on 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 social issues, and we can talk a little bit about gay straight alliances and the, and the bill in the legislature now that's that's going in front of the legislature now. Um, but I think they really see uh, the NDP really see um, uh, going after Kenny on social issues as as a way of of damaging him before the next election, which, which I mean, might work. Yeah. Well, I give them part marks. They're getting it half right. Um, tactically, if you look at the example of what the Conservative Party of Canada did when Michael Ignatieff came in, um, it was a government, again, attacking the opposition leader. So I'm not naive that this is a tactic that works. You know, we define, we, no, I had nothing to do with it, but the Conservative Party defined Michael Ignatieff as being not back for you, uh, an out-of-touch elite who was just visiting here from Boston to show the rubes how to live. But the difference was, and I feel like someone needs to tell the NDP this, Michael Ignatieff had been gone for 26 years. Jason Kenney has been elected here in Alberta for 20 years. So, and I, you know, it's amazing watching how angry the beehive is. Clearly, they perceive him as a threat. And I, and I think it's true. He is a threat to their government's existence. But I think that they... Um, are forgetting that he's existed for 20 years. You know, every single attack that they're using on him today has been used before. This is not Michael Ignatieff where it's a clean slate and you can get in and define him before he has a chance to define himself. Anything they're attacking Jason Kenney with, trying to define him with, has been heard before, has been done, and he survived. So he gets, you know, he's hugely popular with 
all sorts of groups beyond the stereotypical red meat um, cowboys and oil crowd, which clearly NDP thinks. Now, I'm giving them part marks because I think they have to do what they're doing. They can't just let him come in and get himself set up because I do believe this is still a province where all things being equal, the conser- a united conservative party will defeat a united something on the left party. Like, I think all things being even, I'm not suggesting the, the party will get 85 seats by default, but on balance, I think it's, it's tilted towards a conservative. So they're, they're doing what they need to do. But, you know, hearing you say that it's a little bit embarrassing and a little bit unbecoming, I totally agree. Um, Rachel Notley's strength, I think, was that she's seen as not really a politician, which is amazing because that's what she's done most of her career, and being in touch with real people. And the, f- the way that she came to power was against this party that had lost touch. I don't think Albertans listen to these attacks. I mean, I think they are maybe a little bit nervous about what different parties will do, but there's definitely a tipping point where the NDP is going to have to find a way to say something new because just saying Jason Kenney is scary and Jason Kenney's a jerk at some point becomes cartoony. And I think like if they do this for 18 months, everyone's going to be so annoyed with the NDP that the UCP won't have to do a thing. Based on nothing except for the, uh, the tweet that the premier put out, I think the day after Kenny was elected uh, leader, she said, we'll stand against UCP's job killing, gay outing, school cutting, health privatizing, backward looking, hope destroying, divisive agenda. Based on nothing else except that tweet, the strategy appears to be to define the UCP agenda before they have any policies. Right. Do you think that's what's happening? I, I think that's what the NDP are trying to do. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, we heard this going back into the UCP leadership race. I mean, it's what uh, even back into the PC party leadership race last year. Was that last? It was earlier this year. The PC party leadership. Yeah. yeah. The, the most recent one. I mean, Stephen Kahn basically said, was basically said former MLA uh, for, for St. Albert said that, you know, he was pushed out and that it was the, the UCP was basically going to be Wild Rose 2.0. And I think that's really what the, what the NDP is going to want to frame the UCP as. Wh- it's wh- just whether so it's boring. Oh, this is what they've been saying about conservatives my whole life. Like, you know, Stephen Harper had a hidden agenda and he wanted to lock up all the homosexuals and he wanted to turn away all the immigrants. And it's literally the same playbook again. I mean, I know they have to hit us with something because we have a worldview and they have a worldview, but you would think that they've learned maybe to be a bit more nuanced or to focus on the things that actually are credible. Albertans are not afraid of the UCP. They may or may not vote for them, but you show me a poll lately, and I'm not talking about any particular poll. My point is every single poll, the UCP has a massive lead. This is a conservative province. We can screw it up. We did. We have. (laughs) We probably will again. But, you know, this idea of the boogeyman strategy, um, you mentioned the strategist podcast, and I've heard that one of our um, favorite former podcasters is involved in the NDP strategy now, and you can see it. He plays hard. He throws punches. He doesn't fool around. He's very effective. But I think if you're trying to turn your local UCP board into a boogeyman, it's just... I don't know. I, I guess I say I hope they keep doing it because I don't see how it's being effective. I think 2019 is going to be different than any other election we've ever had. I'm not suggesting the NDP are going to go back to four seats, but 
if if all they can say is that Jason and the UCP are scary and kitten eating lizard people, I just I don't know if that's gonna get them there. Yeah, I'm not sure they can win the next election on social issues alone. On on, uh, I mean, we we saw this we saw this week the the gay straight alliance bill coming back into the legislature. I mean, that's you know it's clearly an issue that the NDP feel passionately about, uh, but it's also an issue that they've clearly identified as a wedge yeah. and something that they could clearly you know make yeah. dr- draw draw out the social conservatives and, and try to embarrass the UCP. Yeah. And it might work, and actually I think it probably will work. But I don't necessarily think the NDP are going to win the next election on on yeah. gay straight alliances or on on social issues. I mean, I think there's I think there's like a, there's a compelling argument that the NDP could make and may, maybe they'll make it in the coming weeks or coming months is that I mean, we saw this week uh Rachel Notley at the the sod, you know, there was about a foot of snow in Calgary, but they had the sod turning for the new Calgary Cancer Center. You had Brian Mason interjecting a bit in the Calgary municipal election, the mayoral election last month talking about how uh talking about the green line funding for the green line uh LRT and or Green Line train in, in Calgary. Um, I mean, I think that that the NDP can make a compelling argument around the future of of the future funding of some major infrastructure projects and and in and, and programs that that a lot of that are popular among a lot of Albertans that would presumably likely be cut in a, in a future conservative government if if a future conservative government is looking to make big cuts to uh, to uh, to capital spending and big cuts to the operations budget of the government so i think that's i think that's going to be interesting to see is whether the ndp actually start leveraging those types of programs and types of spending that that's actually, that's actually popular among albertans and and kind of creating a clear um, a clear contrast saying you know we'll fund $25 a day childcare we'll build more schools we'll build build more hospitals and uh, and long term care centers Jason Kenny won't right or you know get him to the point where he has to admit what the tough choices will be conservative parties are like the stereotypical stern father where we're the ones who say no I'm sorry we can't afford that today you know and and that is harder politics than a stereotypical new democrat government that says look debt be be darned this is too important to worry about how we're going to pay for it we're just going to do it so you, on one hand you have like the favorite uncle and on the other hand you have the stern father and so it's easier to be the favorite uncle you know we'll pay for it don't worry you need a car so i'm going to buy you a car like don't worry about it um Back to Stephen Harper, you know, he was never perceived as the warm and fuzzy one, but he was the dad who knew what you needed. And so I think if I was advising the NDP, and obviously I'm not, I would always make the choice um, showing that they deliver the candy, that they deliver things today, tomorrow. We need to fix that road today. Whereas... As a conservative, we're going to come up with some plan showing how we pay for it, and maybe you'll have to wait 36 months, and that's no fun. So, you know, let's just do it now. But I don't think... So if I was advising them, I wouldn't keep... Well, I guess I would go with the scare tactic because they seem to love it. But more importantly, do you want a stern, stuffy old accountant for dad, or do you want someone who feels your pain, who knows that you need this and that is prepared to to spend and not worry so much about how we're going to pay it back you know and it's not and i'm not saying that they're naive or anything it's just that's the basic choice that i think the difference is i don't i mean i'm part of the ucp i don't think anyone really has a mood to come in and just chainsaw everything down but it's a difference of time how do we pay for the deficit? How do we pay for the infrastructure deficit? So, um, 
um if i was if i was the ucp that's what i would focus on too we we're not saying you you don't need frontline workers you don't need more schools you don't need more teachers and nurses we're saying let's think about how we're actually going to pay for it and those are important distinctions how we're going to pay for it that is a great topic of conversation that i think we should save for future podcasts because i think one of the biggest issues facing our province is our government's total overdependence on revenue from oil and gas royalties and whether uh you know i had you know i think that that that, that was something that was was really a problem for the the old progressive conservative government and i was had a lot of hope that the ndp would try to fix that problem yeah. but i don't really think they have and i think that the 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 big problem facing the NDP is pretty much the same problem that faced the old conservative governments is that everybody's just praying for the price of oil to go back to a hundred bucks a barrel yeah. because then you can, when you, when the price of oil is at a hundred bucks a barrel, you can have your cake and you can eat it too. Right. Well, you, we've already you, seen one of the differences though, natural gas. It's never coming back. Yeah. Like the 10 years ago, that actually was almost as big a revenue factor as the price of oil. So I think one of the biggest issues, I, I think one of the biggest issues facing Alberta, I mean, I, I, I don't even know, I don't think we'll even be able to get the politicians to talk about this in an election because it's, it's, it's not a very sexy issue. It's a very difficult issue is, is what does Alberta look like if the price of oil doesn't go back up? Because yeah. that's like a very real prospect. What if the price of oil sticks around 40 bucks a barrel for the next 20, 30 years forever? Like what if, what if we never get a hundred bucks a barrel again? Like what does that mean for, for our province? Not just in terms of our, our economy, but in terms of, I mean, yeah, first of all, yeah, in terms of our economy, but, but also in terms of, of how our government generates the type of revenue that it needs to, to provide public services. Cause right now, I mean, that big uh, deficit hole that, that, that the NDP have in their budget, I mean, the, ND, the spending has increased, but but that the, the the majority of that that deficit is something that they inherited from the previous government because of the the drop in the price of oil. And I think that I really think, and to give him to give him some credit, I really think that Jim Prentice kind of got. I think he was on the right track. I think he was too late, and I think his messaging was wrong, and I think it was just all the timing was wrong because I think Albertans were just they were sick and tired of, of of the old Tories at that point. But I think he actually had the right idea when he was talking about getting off the royalty roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And Rachel Notley talked a little bit about that, but the royalty review didn't really, that the NDP held after the last election, didn't really do what needed to be done. Yeah. And they haven't really done what needed, needs to be done in terms of, of finding alternate revenue, so the alternate revenue sources that they need. Well, and I think... The timeline that you just talked about, 20, 30, 40, 50 years out, I think we probably all agree that's when fossil fuel use really probably will decline. I don't agree that the world will be over oil in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years, but you start talking 40 years, 50 years, and yeah, I think you probably, we could be talking about that. So if we have the opportunity to extract a resource and to develop a war chest and it may never come back, what do we do? So I think that'd be a great topic. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about that on a, well, we just spent how many minutes talking about it. We could talk about that again in a more detailed way. Thanks everyone. Uh, this is Ryan Hassman again. And I just want to say, you know, we're doing this show um, not only so that we can talk across the table to each other. We want to hear from you. What are the topics that interest you the most? What's your take on what we've said? What did we miss in the story? So please, um, please feel free. Actually, feel invited to participate. We'd love to hear from you. Probably the best way would be on the Facebook page if you search for Dave Berta, or you can send us an email, podcast at daveberta.ca. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter. So I'm at Ryan Hassman. Uh, and I'm at, at Dave Cornwell. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Oh, yeah, John.